What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the C String Podcast. This is episode 23, and this is going to be episode. This will end up being episode number 11 of Classic Rock Talk. Um, of course, we have the usual, not so special guest anymore. Yeah. To be honest, you're just a regular now. Yeah, just a regular. You're just a regular guest. Um, not even guest. You're just part of the show now. Part of the show. <laughs> um, but we're here for the special baby. Yeah, we're here for the big, the big special uh, tier list, I guess, episode where. We're, we've gone through all 30 bands, and initially I was um, I was skeptical on whether I would be able to rank them all or not, but we did, and I, me and Cole both ended up having a number attached to all these. Um, I would say, though, take the number very loosely. Uh, I can switch any of these records in between each other, depending on what day of the week it is. 100%. So, take the tiers more seriously than the... Than the numbers, I would say. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. <clears throat> um, but um, I understand it's going to be very difficult to visualize uh, what we've got going on. Um, I'd love to just turn a video, turn a recorder on, have a marker board in front of us, and have both of our lists on there, and be able to show you guys and talk to you guys. That'd be excellent. Um, that'd be great. And um, but unfortunately. That's I just don't have the, the equipment for that. Um, and also, unfortunately, my computer decided to take off at the start of this recording. we got some fan air blowing here. Apologize for that. Um, but we're just going to get started. We're going to go tier by tier. So we're going to start with what we have as D tier, and then we're going to climb up from there. It is very loud. <laughs> I know it's I know it's audible. Um, it's, it's, we're going to start at D tier. We're going to work our way up from there. We're going to go through what each other, what we both have, um, and we're going to go through some of the band members when we get there. Um, we're going to go through some of the favorite, um, some of our favorite uh, songs, and maybe not favorite, but some of the most notable songs um, from these albums as we go through them. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, uh, we're going to get straight into it. Um, we're going to start at number 30. We're starting with D tier. We each have four albums in D tier. Um, it won't be the same throughout. We have some variation in our tiers, in our album numbers, um, but starting off in D tier, we have the same amount. And we yes, also we have the same same album for number 30. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, if you've listened to all 10 episodes so far, you can probably guess which one we both have at 30. Mm-hmm. It is Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. Again, that is going to be very controversial. Yep. Um I just, I can't, I don't see this, certainly not in my definition of classic rock. Um, it's certainly not, they didn't mix anything the way I would have liked. They didn't experiment with any unique instrumentals. I didn't feel any emotional impact from any of the vocals. Uh, it was just a, a, a big mess in my eyes. I agree. It was loud, hair metal. Meant to be loud, not a fan of it. Just not, not a fan. Um, uh, as far as band members go, not a fan of these guys either, really. Uh, Axl Rose slash Izzy Stradlin, Duff McKagan, and Steve Adler. Um, I like saying his name. Duff McKagan. Duff, yeah, Duff McKagan. But yeah, just sorry, they're not, they're not our, not our thing. I agree. They're just I... not our thing. Yeah, I just it's not my sound. It's not what I look for in music. I understand people love the loud, but it's 
personally not mine, and I know it's personally not yours. Yeah, thing. yeah. If, if we're on the same page, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure there's more out there that are also on the same page. Um, but let's let's just move on. Let's move on quickly here because we also have the same band at 29. I notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, for 29, we have Avenue Road by Kensington Market. Yep. Uh, this was their first of two studio albums, I believe. Um, Gene Martinick, really the main man behind the behind this album and yeah. the future album, he's the main guy. Um, it's not this album had its bright spots, I would say, but that's really all they were. I feel. I agree. I I think it had a few bright spots. The rest of it was just kind of meh. Yeah, and unfortunately, when you're competing with a bunch of other albums that are very very good. You're on the low side of the tier list. Yeah. Not to say it's not a good album. I This is an album I might go back and listen to at one point. Um, the only one, the, the only album I would actually say I would never go back and listen to is probably Appetite for Destruction, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, but most of these, yeah, I might go back and listen to them down the road, and that's one of them. Uh, a couple of notable songs I would say is uh, I Would Be the One. I like that one. Mm-hmm. And I liked Phoebe as well. I believe... I... Both on the A side. Yeah, I also liked Phoebe. That was one that yeah. I remember stood out to me the most. Yeah, that's that was definitely the brightest spot on this one. But yeah, Avenue Road, Kensington Market. Um, yeah, we got them around the same spot. We did not. We also should have prefaced this. We did not look at each other's lists either. No, we didn't. When uh, making this, so this is just our own opinions, and we'll see how it shapes out. It's just coincidence so far. We've got uh, we've got the first two the same here. Um, but go ahead. You introduce your number 28. This appears to be the Rose um, yeah. split. Yes. My number 28 was Desolation Boulevard by Sweet. And some notable tracks from this were Ballroom Blitz, um, 16s, ACDC, Fox on the Run. The reason why I put this so low is the way this album was released is, for lack of better words, fucking stupid. <laughs> Yeah, I would agree. Lack of a better word right it, there. It's it's so dumb how it was released. It was so dumb that we managed to completely fuck it up in the episode that we covered it in, and then I had to go back and re-establish what actually was fucking what it was like in the next episode. When it's so fucked up that that has to happen, mm-hmm. there's something wrong with it. Which I'm not saying that this is one of those albums I won't go back and listen to. It's just it. It was a headache that didn't need to be a headache in the first place. And it just, it, it threw me off and kind of negated points from it being very good, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I completely agree with that. Um, but I'll go to my 28. So for my number 28, I have Haystacks Balboa. Um, as you guys probably know already, in the previous episode, is we went over Haystacks Balboa. And um, you already know we had our differences on that, on this mm-hmm. album. Um, I, I'd still put it above Kensington Market, because I still think it's pretty good. Um, especially I like Bruce's Twist, and, uh, Sticky Finger, as you mentioned, one of yeah. your favorites from the album, so I had to mention that one. Um, but the, the trio of Marks, just, they didn't, they didn't bring anything out that I particularly enjoyed, and unfortunately I felt that this album was more towards a harder rock than it was towards a classic rock. As the as like a, an essence as what it was trying to go for, and that just didn't didn't really uh, strike me very I well. I feel like it could even fit in like kind of the acid rock vibe. It was just kind of like different sounding, weird. Yeah. yeah. 
I think I think that's how I could fit it too, but yeah. Um, but yeah, just just not super high. Um, but go ahead, introduce your number twenty-seven. My number twenty-seven. This might be a bit of a uh, controversial pick. Uh, Stadium Arcadium. And my reasoning for this is I'm just not a huge fan of the Chili Peppers sound. I love Flea as a bassist. I think he's a fantastic bassist. Um, this album just, it really didn't hit for me. I know, uh, Danny California is the track that I think of, of right course, off the bat. Of course. And, um, it was stuck in my head for like a couple of days after we did the episode. But just the rest of the songs, they, they didn't really hit with me. And I, I think it was just that newer sound that kind of just, I don't know, it kind of threw me off and I, I don't know, just wasn't my just thing. Just wasn't your thing. I, okay. Again, I, understandable. Um, they're not too much higher on my list, so I have most of the same opinions about them. But, but the uh, <laughs> the way they released the album was better than Desolation Boulevard. So yeah, you had so they're above them. Desolation yeah. Boulevard. <laughs> um, uh, so my number twenty seven, I had number one record by Big Star, and if you've already noticed, you kind of notice a pattern here. Uh, Avenue Road, you know, by Kensington Market, Haystacks Balboa, and Big Star, those bands. Um, they're not very popular, and maybe there was a variety of things affecting that, um, mm. but unfortunately, I just, these, as much as I love exploring these not-so-popular not bands, um, most of the time, there is multiple reasons why they were not popular, um, and in Big Star's example, I just, I couldn't get behind what they were trying to go for. Again, it was more of a lovey uh, a lovey album more than a classic rock like prog rock kind of feel it was mm. more just mostly kind of that love song feel um, and it was kind of trying to I think they were kind of trying to adventure towards the Beatles style um, yeah I can definitely see that yeah and you know Chris Bell Alex Shilton Andy Hummel and Jody Stevens I will remember those guys I, I like the album itself but it has too many too many blank spots for me and just the overall love song, love song, love song, or maybe not love song exactly, but just slower songs. You understand what I mean when I say Beatles vibe. Just you know, mm-hmm. you know what you're getting at. Just not something I want to hear over and over again in an album. Um, and that's kind of what this album is to me. So I have them at 27. I think that's completely understandable. <clears throat> but... So I guess that's the end of the uh, D tier. That's the D tier. We just have four. We are going to move on to our C tier here. And we both also, coincidentally, happen to have six bands in C tier. Yes. Kind of strange. Yes, mm. a little bit. Um, but let's go ahead and get in straight into it. I will I will start us off here at number 26. I have got Remain in Light by Talking Heads. Huh. Um, I just... This might be for... This might actually be... Uh, a little bit, I don't want to say recency bias, because it's not that, but it is a sort of bias to where I listened to the album once before we did the episode. And when I listen to these albums, I feel like I know more about them than when I listen to it multiple times. And I feel like I understand them better when I listen to it multiple times. I've said this before. Um, i said this like many episodes already, so you're probably getting over it by now. But when I just listen to an album once, I don't get the feel out of it. And normally, when I listen to it that first time, I'm like at work or in class, something like something to that effect. So I'm not like fully listening to it. 
And I think, give me, give me some time. We're going to take some time in between this episode and the next one. And I'm going to go back and listen to some of these bands. I'm going to listen to some new bands. And this is one I'm going to listen to. And just and expect this to rocket up the, the charts here, is what I'm going to say. I know you like these guys. Mm-hmm. I just... I couldn't put them in D because I felt that was disrespectful. But I couldn't put them any higher than bottom of C tier purely because I didn't listen to them enough. This that that is this is the only time this is gonna happen throughout the rest of the video. This is the only one where I just didn't listen to it enough and didn't get a good enough feel for them. Yeah, I do feel bad. Um, but some songs I do remember off the top of my head. I liked Cross Eyed and Painless. That's the second track I believe. Mm, and, yeah. And then Once in a Lifetime I thought was really good too. Yeah. So, I can I can see where why you put that down yeah. there, just being not familiar with it and yeah, and it kind of it kind of just blended in with some other the other albums that because I, I there was some songs in this album I didn't even remember, and so I just felt it wasn't it was important that I noted that and yeah I will have to go back to it, mm-hmm. um, but go ahead mention your number twenty six. So at twenty six at the bottom of the C tier I put the Kinks by the Kinks, um. I think this album was decent. My only problem with it is a majority of it are covers. And I'm not a huge cover guy. I I will listen to some covers and like be like, man, this is pretty cool. It kind of takes a lot for me to do that, though. And um, I will say the one track that saved us from being in Deer, or D. Deer. Deer. <laughs> Was you really got me? Okay. Um, that track is bomb. That guitar solo is bomb. Totally of its time. Um, but yeah, I mean, the cover the covers they did were good. It's just I it takes a lot to impress me on a cover song, and I just I feel like I can I can see that. I feel like they didn't do that in my like very well for me. Now. Like I said, all this doesn't apply to other people because I don't know what other people think about yeah. it. But I was gonna say I, you know, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not even familiar necessarily with all the covers that they did, and so I was just kind of looking at the songs for what they were at face value, and I loved them and yeah. I liked what I heard. So maybe on my side, I wouldn't say the covers had nearly as much of an effect as they did on yours. And I think that's also because I've actually heard most of the covers, like the original versions. Which can, which would definitely take And I think, yeah, I think that's why it kind of throws me off. But, um, I don't think they did a bad job covering. It's just, I, I think they could have done better or just written their own material yeah. and done better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did. I did want to mention that. It was a little weird. It was their first album too to have so many covers on it. It's just a little mm-hmm. interesting. Which I mean, that's that's kind of what bands did back then. I get it, but uh, it just it didn't hit for me. Gotcha. Um, and we will move on though. Um, at twenty five for me, I have Fresh by the Raspberries. Um, uh, another band not super popular. Um, they only have just. Uh, just under half a million followers on... Well, it's more popular than some of the bands I've gone over already, but just under half a million followers on um, on Spotify. And as far as uh, a couple of tracks I liked from this from this album, I liked Let's Pretend. Um, I, write, I liked Reach for the Light, which I believe is, in the, is on the B-side of this album. I remember particularly, um, I enjoyed the B-side on this album uh, 
a lot, and I think I even mentioned that I might have liked it more than the A-side. Uh, I do believe Let's Pretend is on the A-side, though. Um, but guys like Eric Carmen, Willie Bra- uh, Wally Bryson, excuse me, Dave Smalley, and Jim Bonafonte uh, were on uh, in the makings of the Raspberry of Fresh by the Raspberries. Mm-hmm. Um, this was their second studio album. Um, and it just didn't do anything too particularly outstanding in my eyes. Um, that's kind of a repeating story in my C tier category. Yeah. Um, just good, good all around stuff. And there's either one of two reasons that they're in C tier. One is because they went for kind of a genre that wasn't really, that wasn't really something I liked. And two, it was because they really didn't do anything super outstanding. And I think those can both be applied to the, uh, fresh. I agree. I a hundred percent agree. And I, Especially, think after listening to their debut album too. I think that's why I kind of have the same opinion as you. It's it just it they go for more that love song tone approach. And I, while I do think it could be done right, and I do think there are some songs on the album that do it pretty well. It's just it's not a big thing of mine, personally. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, but continue on. But my uh, number twenty five is Double Vision by Foreigner. And um, put this down here because I, I don't know. I just I wasn't a huge fan of this album. Um, I know like Hot Blooded, Blue Morning, Blue Day in particular is my favorite track. I just I think the rest of them were kind of just meh to me. I like Foreigner's sound. I really do. And you know they further expand on that going on after this album. But um. It just, again, it didn't cut it. I just, I didn't cut it for you. And it, and like you said, especially with all these awesome albums ahead of it, it's kind of... It's harder for you to, yeah, it's, to it, put it up there. It looks really low right here, and I'm not saying I hate it, but it's not like, oh my god, I love this album. Yeah, it's just kind of the unfortunate thing of being ranked with a bunch of other great albums. It's just, it just happens. Some of them have to be lower. Mm-hmm. That's just how it works. Um, but go ahead and go over your tw- number 24, because <laughs> it was my 25. Yeah, my 24 is your 25, uh, Fresh by the Raspberries. Basically, yeah, I kind of already stated it. You kind of already explained it. They just went for that different tone that I don't really... It's not a huge thing yeah. for me. Um, but Yeah, uh, we have similar points there, so we'll move right along. Um, my number 24 is Penguin by Fleetwood Mac. Um, you know, I found myself being torn with this album, and, um, as with Remain in Light, I would say, there was some, some, uh, sometimes I was losing myself in the songs and not really focusing, and so that kind of got lost on me, but I will say a song in particular I really, really liked was Caught in the Rain, um, Mm -hmm. and that, there are some instances where one song can vault a album above a couple of other ones. In this case, I think Caught in the Rain is one of those instances for me. Yeah. Uh, I really like that song in particular. But uh, Bob Welch, Bob Weston, Christine McVie, uh, John McVie, Dave Walker, and Mick Fleetwood uh, compose, is that is your uh, band members here. And I do have to say they did a great job. They did a pretty good job. Um, I just do think in, in the case of some of these bands, they would go on to do bigger things um, mm-hmm. or better things. And when you take that into account, this this album is just a little bit lower for me. Yeah. My uh, 23 might be a heater. Um, 
I have Heartbeat City by the Cars. I kind of talked about it a little bit in the last podcast episode. It again goes back to that the Cars debut album ripped through my ears. I loved it. They had that perfect blend of rock and uh, new new wave stuff in their album. And I think my issue with this album is they just went for the pure pop. Like you like you said the last episode, instead of the the rock and the pop, it's more of the pop with rock in it. Yes. Yes. And I don't think I was a big fan of that. Like the songs I do love that like magic, you might think. Um they have hard riffs to them. But I do like one of their slower songs was Drive. It's my favorite song on the album. It's just again, I it goes back to the whole trading your sound for love song stuff. I I don't know. I I'm just not a big fan of it. And you kind of brought me down to earth on them a little bit too, because after that episode, I went back and listened to their debut, and that kind of I've kind of in the same boat as you now. Which I yeah I hate to compare them because you know. But it's, it's just it's kind of like a de-evolving of the sound in my eyes. Yeah, because that's what the cars were praised for. Was they were so praised for how they had rock and roll with that synthesizer, and just like playing this such a small part that made a huge impact. And um, yeah, I just I think they kind of went. I don't want to say they went commercial with their sound in this album, but I think they definitely joined the. The flow of, of, like, the love songs yeah. at the time. Like, the ballads. Yeah, I completely understand you now. And I did understand you then, I just didn't really know. Um, but, yeah, I did go back and listen to their debut, and I do have a little bit of different opinion about it, about Heart Me City now, than I did then. But My 23 is a different... It's a different album, but a similar kind of story, I think. Um, it's the original soundtrack by 10CC. Uh, this is their third studio album? Second or third, I don't remember. Um, but third, uh, these guys: Eric Stewart, Lowell Cream, <laughs> Graham Goldman, and Kevin Godley. Um, they, it's a similar story. I'm gonna be honest. They this album is good. It's a good album. I'm not gonna sit here and say it's not. Their first album, bang, it. Mm-hmm. and it has so many of those elements that you just mentioned with the cars. And yeah. it is a different feel, obviously. Um, but it again has so many of those elements. And when you when you when you change that and you go for something different, yes, you're gonna get people that like it, but you're also gonna get gonna be people that are gonna say, Why the heck did you change what you were doing? You're gonna divide your original followers. Right. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, I am I'm of the opinion that this does not live up to the first album's hype. Um I'm Not In Love, good song. Life is a Minestrone, that is a great song. I do like that song. Um, but again, it's not really a classic rock song. It's it's a weird song. Yeah, um, it's, it is. But yeah, same same story basically as Heartbeat City. Just why'd you change kind of, that's kind of the question mark on this one. It's just kind of why'd you do it? You know, you, you kind of hit it out of the park and then you struck it out the next time. In my, it just... Mm-hmm. It's just, why did you change? Yeah, I'd argue that both their debut and um, sheet music, they absolutely slammed their sound. Yes. And then this, they kind of changed it up, and this was kind of the shift 
like another shift where they kind of just start going another direction. It's kind of meh. Yeah. Not bad. Not fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I'll move on from 23 to 22. I have Desolation Boulevard, my suite, just a little bit higher than yours because I tried to ignore the fact about all the bullshit that was going on when this was released, and I tried to just mm-hmm. look at the album for what it was. And when I did that, I found a couple of banging songs. ACDC, Fox on the Run. Pretty sure both singles. They should have been both singles because... Oh, yeah, I forgot about Fox on... I don't know if I mentioned Fox on the Run. Um, but just the confusion of this, again, tried to look past it. And when I did, I found something that, yeah, I kind of liked. Um, this was an album where I felt, you know, I can't really find a too, too, too much of things that I don't like. Um, but there's nothing really I can say that I really loved. And so it kind of just finds itself right here uh, in the middle of C tier. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I just think the whole thing ruined it a little bit for me. I Which was is like, wow. so understandable. That is so understandable. Which is disappointing because, like you said, it's actually a, a pretty cool album. Mm-hmm. I like it. Sweet was pretty uh, ahead of their time. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't know, that it ruined it for me. <laughs> Uh, but, but um, yeah, my 22 is actually Penguin by Fleetwood Mac. So, um, a couple spots higher than me, so I'm yes. around the same ballpark here. Um, yeah, I I love, I like this album, and, you know, a few notable tracks are the, uh, you know, I'm a Roadrunner, Remember Me. Um, I, I do think that this album is good. But I agree with, like, what you were saying. This is kind of a transition, which Fleetwood Mac struggled immensely with trying to find their sound. Um, I think with Penguin, um, it's a bit, it's, like, stuck in between the blues that they started with and then, like, the pop that they would go on to do. Sort of, like, the classic rock pop stuff with, like, a... Rumors. I think it's kind of like uh, almost a middle ground between those two, and it sounds kind of weird. But I do love um, the instrumentation on this album. I think it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Even though the lineup would change every fucking yeah, album. every year. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just I have it ranked here because again, it's another album that unfortunately falls victim to the giants that are towards the top. Yeah, completely agree. Um, I will. I'll go over my twenty-one. Though my last, my the top of C tier for me uh, is Stadium Arcadium. Uh, I know you had them a, in your D tier, but mm-hmm. I really felt like these guys. Again, I kind of liked what they were doing with their sound. Um, it's very different. This was definitely our latest album by far. Yeah, what was it like two thousand six? early two thousands, I think, like two thousand three, two thousand two, maybe. It was something around that time. Yeah, um, latest by far, and you know when you're doing a, an album that late, you're basically never gonna find classic rock elements in mm-hmm. your music. But I I would say that there are some in some of these songs, and when you have twenty four songs in your album, yeah, some of them are bound to probably have. An element of every freaking genre. Yeah. Um, uh, as you mentioned, though, Danny California obviously is the one everybody remembers and probably knows this album for. But I do want to highlight a few few no- more. Um, Snow, 
another very popular song that you probably know. A couple of lesser-known songs that I really like are Especially in Michigan, um, Desecration Smile, Wet Sand, that's more known though. Hey is a good one, if we mentioned that before I even think, I even think we previewed that on the episode. I think um, so. So, again, just, there are some, I, think, I really think there are some good songs in here. It's a very unique sound, but I did like what they did with this sound. And mm-hmm. as much as it's not classic rock, there are some elements in there. It's kind of like Heartbeat City, where it's more one genre than it is the other. Um, but there, it's not higher than this because it's not really classic rock. It just, it really, it, it's, it's venturing as far in a way as it possibly can, mm-hmm. really, without getting into completely different genres. So that is why they top out for me at C tier. Yeah, I can see that. That's a, that's a yeah. valid point. But um, my 21 at the top of C tier is Your Face or Mine by Nantucket. Um, I feel like I sound like a broken record. But I think, again, is another case of going for a different sound and kind of falling to it. Um, you know, Give Me Your Love. I really like California. Um... Your Replacer Mine, which is a funny uh, take on the name of the album. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't remember the last one I was thinking of. Oh, yeah, Is It Wrong to Rock and Roll? I like oh, those tracks. I I hate to compare it to Nantucket's first. I hate that I keep doing this. <laughs> but when they did their debut, they smashed the blues rock sound out of the fucking park. Like, it wasn't even the same atmosphere as Planet Earth. Yeah. And um, I think they went for a different sound, and I think while it is still a decent sound, it's better. It's not as lovey and, like, pop as, like, the ones I've covered on here previously. I just... They had what they were doing so well, I wish they would have kept at least some of that in here. Which they do. They do a little bit. I just wish they would have kept more of it. Gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. I definitely I have that in a different spot. A little, pretty very different. Um, pretty very different. <laughs> I will, that's all I'm gonna say there. Um, but that is our C tier. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've gone through ten ten albums each. Each of us have. Yes, um, we have. Uh, so my D or excuse me, my B tier has eight albums. And yours also has eight. Yes. Um, We're still going um, even. Still going even here. Um, so, I guess, you want to kick it off for us? Sure. So, at uh, number 20, I have uh, Remain in Light by uh, The Talking Heads. And I like this album. I put it in my beer, B. I don't know why you keep I keep doing putting that. these into words. <laughs> and it's always E-E-R at the end, yeah. too. Um... I like the funky sound, the funky, weird sound that um, the Talking Heads have. I think they do it very well. Um, like you were saying, uh, I love uh, Born in the Punches. I love uh, Cross-Eyed and Painless, Once in a Lifetime. Uh, I also liked uh, Lightning or Listening Wind. Um, I just think it's really weird. And that's both a good and a bad thing for me, I think. Because 
I'm more of a rock guy, so when I listen to music, I'm like, yeah, this it's kind of this is cool. This this album's really weird, and um, I can't necessarily bag on it because that's what the Talking Heads do. The Talking Heads were different. They were definitely new wave, definitely a fresh sound, which is why I think I have them in B tier because I like the sound that they presented. Um, I like the weirdness. It was kind of unmatched by most bands at the time. They were different, and I like that. I like that different sound, and I think they did a solid job making that different sound. But yeah. I think the one thing that doesn't keep it from going higher is, again, that rock element's kind of just not there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's more weird than rock, but I, yeah. I, I, I do... There are some things, yeah, I agree with, and... Just the weirdness really wasn't for, wasn't it for me as much as it was I think, and for I, you. I understand that. I that's like the weird thing about this album for me is I actually enjoy the weirdness and of this album. Sometimes we get albums that are unique and we're like, oh, I don't like it. But then we get another album that's unique and we're like, we love it. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of the nature of some albums over others. Um, yeah. But I'll go into my twenty real quick. We already went over it. Uh, it's Heartbeat City uh, by the Cars. It's just a few spots ahead of yours. Um, I could basically repeat everything you said. Um, Rick Ocasek, Ben Orr, Elliot Easton, Greg Hawks, and David Robinson are the band members here. And again, Drive, definitely the hit on this one for me. But again, Magic's a great one. Hello Again's a good intro song. Heartbeat City in and of itself's all right. And then uh, you might think, obviously, the big single from this album. But mm-hmm. I could say a bunch of things, but they'd all be repeating whatever what you said earlier. Um, but yeah, I just have them a couple spots ahead of you, but really the same sentiments. Um, but at my number 19, I have Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits. Um, Mark Knopfler, John Ilsley, Alan Clark, Guy Fletcher, Omar Hakim, and uh, Terry Williams is your band members here. Um, Omar Hakim was the guy that did the... What do you do on 2112 in the live um, for Yeah, so he for... For um, Taylor, the Taylor Hawkins Benefit concert, yeah. I was sitting on my lunch at work, and uh, I was like, oh, I wonder if Rush is playing. And I caught the intro to 2112, and I, my brain shit itself. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I've seen Rush perform live. Yeah. And they had Omar Hakim sitting on the drums on from drums, New Year. That's what it was. And yeah. he fucking killed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's who this guy, that's who Omar Hakim is, uh, if you didn't know. Um, but this album, there was a lot I like about it. Um, there's, I could basically kind of explain why for every single song, but I'll just keep it short here. Favorite song on this album, Walk of Life, No Doubt. Um, I think a notable song too is Right Across the River. Um, it's got a, it's a, it's, it's definitely the unique one from this album. Um, this is an 80s album, like a mid 80s album. So it has a different sort of feel than the early 70s, mid 70s, late 70s stuff that we kind of typically go over and, um, but nonetheless, I can sit here and talk about every song from this album. I like it that much. This is another one of those instances where it's a, it's a weird, it's a, I would I don't want to say weird or take cause it's not weird. Like remain in light. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of different and it's an eighties vibe. I get it from that, but it's not eighties like hard rock or metal. It's eighties, just kind of relaxed, relaxed rock. Um, and I like, and like that about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's just that really hits it for me. Uh, that's really all I can say. So, Brothers and Rhymes at nineteen for me. 
And you know what? I think that's where I'm going to put it too. Is um 19. Yeah. I think that's a very solid spot for it. Yeah. I agree with everything you said about it. I. I think the guitar work on the album is fantastic. Mark yeah. Knopfler is incredible. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I agree with everything you said on it. I mm-hmm. totally agree. Uh, but we'll move on here. Um, I'm going to do my 18 first. Uh, so for my 18, I have Choice Cuts by The Master's Apprentices. Um, this might be just some recency bias um, or whatever the opposite of that is because we didn't we did this one like episode 3, 2 or 3, somewhere around there. It was something like that. And I just, I didn't remember a lot about it when I went back to look at it. Um, I know there's a lot of songs on the album. There's like 13 or 14, something like that. Mm -hmm. And so there's quite a few songs here. And maybe that's why it got lost on me, because there's so many songs that I have to keep track of. Um, But Doug Ford, Jim Keyes, Colin Burgess, Glenn Wheatley, love these guys. They did a great job. A notable favorite song on the album, I think it's the the intro track, is uh, Rio de Camaro. Absolutely amazing song. Um, song for Joey Part Two though had to had to include that because of the song title mm-hmm. and because there's no song for Joey Part One. Where's the Part One at? Where's the Part One at though? Um, so yeah, I just had to mention that. Choice Cuts uh, is here. I just I don't really know why, and it, it might just be because again, whatever the opposite of recency bias would be, I haven't really listened to them in a while, and I just felt I felt better about the, the albums I put ahead of them really. I just couldn't really put them any higher. I couldn't really tell you. Couldn't, I can't. I can't put them lower. I know that for sure. There's some heaters on this track, and the overall vibe of the album. It's faster. It's a faster version of classic rock, and I'm not entirely sure what year it was released. Um, I think it was, was 1971. I was gonna say I was gonna guess mid 70s, but yeah, early 70s makes sense too. Um, I like what these guys did though. They did a great job. I agree. I think I think we talked about this in the episode. Is the one thing that kind of set them back a little bit was the mixing. Oh, I think we did talk about that. I think the vocals were a bit quiet, which, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with them being right there. I could see why someone put them right there because of that. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. I can see why you have them right there. Um, my number 18 is uh, Animal Magnetism by uh, the Scorpions. Yes. Um, I'm gonna love to. I would like to hear what you got to say about. Yeah, that. so um, I actually really like this track, um, or this album. I think it's has a pretty solid sound to it, but um, I think my again my issue with this album is I think the stuff that came even an album before this. I think had a very solid sound. And you know what? That's not to say this um, solid sound is not in this album. Because it is. Um, They switched guitars though. And I think the guitar technique kind of threw me off a little bit. Because Uli John Roth was their guitarist before. And I can't remember their guitarist on this album. But um, it was still very good. It was still, again, one of those albums I really enjoyed. Um... Lady, like you said, I remember you saying this, Lady Starlight was a track that really stood out. Mm-hmm. I think the track that absolutely slams in this album is uh, The Zoo. For sure. F- a fucking heavy-ass song. Mm-hmm. Heavy-ass riff. I love it. Um, I'm not a super like heavy, heavy guy, but every once in a while when you hear a good, heavy riff, it sounds good. Mm-hmm. And um, 
it's again one of those things where I just I felt I had more feelings for the stuff that went up the list, so it kind of just got stuck here. Gotcha. So but story here. I I do I do love I do like this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead and go over your seventeen as well. So my seventeen is actually Haystacks Balboa. That is gonna that's our biggest discrepancy so far. Yeah. Um, twenty eight I think somewhere around there. Yeah, twenty eight. I really like this album. I uh, I honestly liked all of the songs on this album. Uh, yeah, I'm just not in the same boat there. A big I, a big kick to me though is again the mixing. Mm-hmm. There are some songs where you cannot hear his voice, and that's that's what I mentioned, I believe, in the episode when we talked. Yeah, about I think that's yeah. It's just his voice isn't clear enough in some of them. I love the loud sound of Spoiler. Um, Which is weird. It's weird for you to say that. It is weird. Um, The song does sound very flat, but I like it because I just think it has that really early 70s fuzz sound to it. And I think that's why I like it over like Guns N' Roses. It's because I really love that fuzzy sound that the early 70s had. Um... Auburn Queen's another good one. Uh, Sticky Finger, my favorite track of this album. I really liked it. Yeah, I, I don't think I could bag on it. The only thing I can bag on with this album that brings it so low, I guess it's middle of the road, but yeah. is uh, the mixing. Yeah. I just think the mixing can, kind of... That can really hurt now. I think it hurt it. That can really hurt now, but it's poor mixing. Um, but... Uh, my 17 is Kinks by the Kinks. Again, uh, the band we've gone already gone over. You had them at like 25, somewhere around there. Yeah, it was somewhere in D tier. Yeah, somewhere in D tier. And um, I just, I felt a little bit better about it. And I, th- I mentioned all the reasons when you talked about them. I didn't really know all of the um, covers. I didn't know all of them at the time. So I was kind of just taking the songs at face value, really. Mm-hmm. I can see, I can, I can totally see, though, your point of view. Where it's like, I've, I've heard all these songs already. And these covers, they're not all that different, and they don't really attract, attract yeah. me in any way. It's just, they're not that not that good to me. But I love a lot of the songs on this album. Uh, so Mystifying, Long Tall Shorty, um, I'm a Lover Not a Fighter, Obviously You Really Got Me, Cadillac, might be my favorite song on this album. <laughs> <laughs> it is a pretty it's, good it's song. It's a good song. It's a really good song. And Too Much Monkey Business, another good one. There's a lot of good songs on this album, and I think... Yes, the covers obviously are annoying, but I like how this was one. You know, it was released in 1964, very early 60s, and I feel like it doesn't really have that kind of sound. It has more of an early 70s, late late 60s sound with that more of that prog rock, classic rock kind of feel. And I feel like they were ahead of their time, which is why I have them over guys like Choice Cut or The Masters Apprentices, Dire Straits, and The Cars, because I feel like maybe they were just a few years ahead of their time. I agree. And that might have been helped out by the covers, obviously. But that's just kind of how I look at it. I can see that. I yeah, I agree. I I think I actually had them in low C, yeah. if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. And um. Yeah, I I, I definitely understand what you're talking about. Like, yeah. I think the guitar rip or uh, solo and you really got me. Yeah. Is was way ahead of its time, and I think inspired a lot of stuff after that. But but again, if if I was doing this from the perspective of you, where I'd heard all those songs before. I'm I'm positive they'd be lower. Yeah, I just yeah, that's I can still see how that'd be kind of annoying. I I don't mind cover songs. I just I like when bands do original stuff. Obviously, because that's just I just think the originality proves 
your uh, worth as you, a band. Yeah, it gives you credibility when you have originality. Yeah, and I, I like that. I like yeah. I like listening to this song and knowing that is definitely their song. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so that's that's the Kinks at seventeen. Um, go ahead and go for your sixteen. Yeah, so my sixteen, I put a uh, Freedom at point zero by Jefferson Starship. Um. I like the sound of this album. I like what Jefferson Starship was doing. It's that middle road between uh, Jefferson Airplane and uh, Starship. It's it's a mix, and I really like that. And um, one track... I shouldn't say there's only one track, but the one track that I remember hearing when I was younger and then listening back to it again realized how awesome it is is Jane. Um... This was uh, Mickey Thomas's first uh, album with Starship, and he kills it. His vocals are amazing. Mm-hmm. I love his voice. I he is such a talent. He was such a talented singer. Um, he I I really like the sound he had with his voice. I also like Lightning Rose, um, Things to Come. Rock music, freedom at point zero. I think they are all solid songs, um, and I think it's perfect for B tier because it's not incredible, but it's also not bad. It's it's a middle of the road, but it's a good middle of the road. I think it's a solid sound. It's got that you know that hard rock sound with that little bit kind of like the. I don't want to compare them directly to the Cars, but it has it's a blend of sounds. It's a blend of things to come in the future, and it's a blend of the past. Mm-hmm. And I think it sounds... That's why I kind of describe it as a middle road between mm-hmm. Airplane and Starship. Yeah. I think that's perfect. Um, so yeah, that's Freedom at Point Zero. At 16 for you. At 16 for me, I have uh, Morrison Hotel by The Doors. Um, obviously, Jim Morrison, main guy here. Robbie Krieger, Ray Manzera, John Densmore. Absolutely fantastic band lineup right there. Yes. Um, absolutely amazing. One of the bands I could name off the top of my head, and I don't listen to The Doors super often. Yeah, and you just know. They're just incredible. A um, couple of couple of important songs to know, I think, Peace Frog and The Spy. Um, and also Blue Sunday, which shows directly with Peace Frog. Mm-hmm. They're not the singles from this album, I don't believe. None of those, I don't think, are singles. But I felt like they were very noteworthy because they're probably my three favorite songs in this album. Yeah. The way Peace Frog... First of all, Peace Frog's an absolute amazing song. And then the way it just smoothly transitions to Blue Sunday, which is another amazing song. Mm-hmm. And then I felt like it was necessary for me to highlight a B-side uh, song from this one because I really enjoyed the B-side on this album. I really enjoyed it. It was an album where I thought, wow, this B-side is just as good as the A-side. Mm-hmm. And I know the A-side even has a Roadhouse Blues on it, another great song. But still, I felt the B side held up, matched up well with the A side, and as we get higher into this list, that's something that's going to be a very key quality. How well can your B side hold up to your A side? And I think the Doors with Morrison Hotel especially did that well, which is why I've got them up at sixteen. I agree with that. I uh, yeah, I really like Peace Frog and uh, Blue Sunday. Mm-hmm. They're both fantastic songs. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but I see we both have the same. Yes, we do. We have another matchup here. Uh, at 15, we have got 1984 by Van Halen. Really good album. Very good. It's it's one of those albums instantly recognizable to me. Yes, and I know uh, 
right from the get-go, this album had me with uh, that 1984 synth sound going straight into Jump. I thought that was so... gives me shivers. It's so cool. Um, love the sound. I, I love Eddie Van Halen's um, synth playing. Um, very solid A-side, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. Very, extremely solid A-side. Yes. And that's another quality where maybe your A-side's so fucking good, your B-side might not need to live up to it. <laughs> yeah. And I think this tracks, I think Girl Gone, Girl Gone Bad is what it's called. And then House of Pain. Yeah, it's Girl Gone Bad. And then House of Pain are the last two tracks. Those two are forgettable for me. Mm-hmm. And so this, this I feel this, this album does suffer from some B-side blues there. But I could name every song on the A-side. Yeah, <laughs> ripping A side, completely amazing A side. So that's why I've got them at fifteen. That's and, honestly, that's kind of the exact reason I have them at fifteen. Is just those that B side blues aspect kind of just holds it back a little bit. Yeah, but um, that's not to downplay it. Mm-hmm. I it, it was a blast. It's always a blast listening to Van Halen. Um, yeah, always, always a fun track uh, album to listen to. Yeah, I agree. Um, go ahead and go over your 14. So number 14, I have the original soundtrack by 10CC. And um, I think this album has a good kind of new sound. Um, I think the main thing that gets me with this album is the uh, the composition of it. I like the composition of it. I, I like, and I think I mentioned this to you before, I like 10CC, 10CC's sense of humor. Yes. In their songs. Yes. I think their uh, sense of humor is incredible. Yes. Um, and um, each of the band members are just extremely talented guys. I I, just, I like this album. I don't think it's anything super crazy, like you were talking about their debut. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I do think it's a pretty solid album. I do think it belongs in the B tier. I think I could change it anywhere within the B tier, depending on the day. But... Um, I have it at 14. Okay. So. At my 14, this might be a little controversial. This might be a little higher, on probably higher on most people's lists. Um, but I have The Wall by Pink Floyd down here at 14. A high B tier here. And um, I share some similar sentiments to what you just said about the original soundtrack. And where I love, absolutely love how this was created and composed. Mm-hmm. Just perfect. If you are looking to write an epic, a story, opera, whatever, you have to... This is the first thing you need to look Take at. Take notes. This is in. This does this incredibly. I agree. It does it incredibly. Um, it's just... In my... it, In my humble opinion, <laughs> it just... It doesn't draw anything unique from me. Or from it. I don't draw anything unique from it. And there's a lot of things I like about this album and the way it flows from one track to the next so seamlessly. And the way it's, the four sides are, you can kind of separate them in your head. You don't even have to know, oh, these six songs are on side eight. You don't even need to know that because you can kind of just tell by listening to it. Mm-hmm. You can probably just divide it um, and you, you by yourself, um, which is how well composed it is. I just, the end of it, if you're looking at this, from an individual and just a song perspective, which I was, I I didn't think super highly of it. 
And yes, their band lineups, again, another incredible one. Roger Waters, David Gilmore, Nick Mason, Richard Wright. Another one of those bands, you can name them instantly. I think that's one of those ones where you don't even have to mention who they are. Yeah. And you and know people, who they people are. People just know. Um, I know, again, I, I, I know how great they are. I just don't think this was their greatest album when it came to song structure and song composition. I do think this was their greatest album when it came to album structure and album construction and composition, mm-hmm. which is why it's up at 14, but also down at 14 yeah. in my eyes. So, yes, that's probably my most controversial one here, but that's why I've got them there. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I'm going to talk more about that kind of when I get to that. It's not far from here, but okay. I, I can see your opinion. I really mm-hmm. can. Mm-hmm. So at my number 13, I have a Morrison Hotel, just a little bit higher than yours. Yeah. Um, kind of just went over it here, but yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think Roadhouse Blues is a standout track. Um, I really like Waiting for the Sun. I thought it was a decent song. Um, Peace Frog, Blue Sunday, of course, we mentioned. Um, the Spy, I really liked. Um, and Queen of the Highway, I really liked. Um, yeah, going back to, you know, band members, all know them. Uh, Peace Frog, Jumpy Song. I really like it. Um, I just don't think quite A. Yeah, just not quite there. And I've got a similar situation here for, for my B tier. I have Your Face or Mine by Nantucket. So they were at the top of your C tier. I got them at the top of my B tier here. And okay. This is a situation where they've got a couple songs that completely vault them over a couple of other albums. There's just a couple songs that I feel that way about. Don't Hang Up. It's... It's another love song. I, I do like how it was composed, though. And it's in the middle, I feel, of an album that doesn't go too deep into love. I do understand this song, this album, very different than their original. It's, again, a clash of old versus new. We've mentioned that how many times in this episode now? Yeah. It's... Over and over again. But I feel like they did it okay. And they did it good. But is it wrong to rock and roll, dude? Holy, holy shit. <laughs> there's I could sit here and talk about this one forever um, that song alone like vaulted it over like eight different albums like it's I just love that song so much Tommy Red Larry and Mike Uzzle Mark Downing Eddie Blair Kenny Soul is your band members here again probably not the most recognizable guys but yeah okay. I, I I love this album and that song in particular mm-hmm. I think I think it's definitely an album of uh, up to personal taste and sound That's I do sure. agree that um, sure. is it wrong to rock and roll is a Killer track. Oh, yeah. Great. I love it for sure. Mm. Um, yeah. That is the end of B tier. That's the end of B tier for both of us. Yeah. We got it at the end there. I think this is where things get a little uneven. It does, because I have. Uh, well, I'll just say this. I have three bands in S tier. And you have five? Five. Five in S tier. So I have two more bands in A tier than you do. My A tier is kind of loaded. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's kind of loaded. It was actually more loaded. Than this, I actually had all the way down to the wall in A tier, but I I bumped a couple of those down right before because I thought it was so stacked. Um, but yeah, um, let's let's get started. Um, yes. You you want to go first here? This um, is some killer killer albums here. Sure. So at uh, number twelve, and I I'm not gonna lie, this kind of hurts me a little bit, but um, I have Don't Look Back by Boston. Um. Assuming most of you don't know me, big Boston fan. This guy, um, it's your most, it's gotta be your most listened to band, and they probably lack the field. 
I was in the top uh, 0.01% of Boston listeners. Yeah. So if that says anything... Laps the field. Um, I have all these tracks in my playlist. All of them are liked. I don't even think I need to list list uh, certain yeah. tracks. Yeah. Um, you know, I just... I. I guess I'll list the band members. Um, Brad Delp, yeah. Tom Scholes, Franz Sheehan, um, Barry Goodrow, and then um, Sebastian on drums. He did not have that written down, by the way. He just knows that. I know that. <laughs> big Boston fan. Yeah, but, um, big guy here. I think the one thing that sets this album so low, and I hate this, is the fact that they were rushed into making it. Completely agree. Um, Completely agree. It's, it's If you don't know... Their debut album, You're Living Under a Fucking Rock, to be completely honest. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> um, it took them years to do that, and it sounded so good. And I think this album also sounds good, but it suffers from being rushed. It really does. Tom Scholz completely feels the same way. Yeah, he was asking so many times in interviews about it. Mm-hmm. I... Uh, and I agree with him. I think this album could have sounded so much better if it wasn't rushed. And um, I get you want your albums to come out on like a regular basis to keep your fans rolling, but um, I think with a creative genius like um, Scholes, I think he needs to lay his stuff out and, you know, go as it goes. And I don't think he had that because he's being pushed. But I love this album still. Okay. This is another one of those albums I think it could scale the A tier. Yeah, yeah, just put Any it day. anywhere. Just put it anywhere, yeah. I agree. Um, but on to my number 12. My number 12, again, like The Wall, it's probably, it might be a little bit lower than others, but I have BTO2 by Bop and Turner Overdrive. Um, obviously, the Backman Brothers, Randy, Tim, Robbie, and then Fred Turner. Um, great band, again, amazing. Um, I'll go through a couple of songs here. You probably know them all, but again, some standouts for me, Welcome Home, and then Tramp, pretty funny song. I really like that. I, the reason why they're not higher for me and why they, I, I had to put them in A tier. I love, I love a lot of the tracks, but to me, they are just slightly samey, slightly samey here. Um, especially when you get like, Let It Ride, Give It Time, Stone Gates, Stone Gates is a good one. Um, but I also felt it was, it was, I think there was too much yelling and that can be a problem in a lot of albums. I think he was trying just a little too hard to be a little too loud. And I, I think it was mixed well overall because it doesn't sound like, like he's not, I'm assuming you're talking about Fred Turner. Yeah, it's Fred Turner because he's not yelling. I should have mentioned that, but yeah. He's not, he's yelling, but it's not, like, super loud. Like, they mixed it really well. So it's not, like, it's not, like, the only thing you can hear kind of loud. But it just sounds kind of forced, his vocals. And that's, I, that's unfortunate. Um, but it's kind of why it's lower on my A tier. It's never not going to be A tier for me. It's another one that can move between A tier, but I think it would be on the lower side for me just because a little bit samey for me. It's, it's pretty controversial to say that, but just a little bit. Just just enough for me to put it below a couple of these other albums. <laughs> I think in my eyes it's very controversial, but yeah. um, 
I'll talk to that. I'll cross that bridge yeah, when we get when to we it. Get there. Um, I can see it though. I'll. I respect your opinion on it. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. I was full. I was so forced. How could you tell? <laughs> um, I'm gonna get into my number eleven with uh, this one might be here as well. Um, moving pictures by Rush. Um, again, liked every song on this album. I don't think there's a track I could say I didn't like. Um, or I don't even think there's even a track I could say is meh. But I, I just I I can't top these other records. I think in my eyes, um, moving pictures is kind of a weird album for me, just because it's kind of where Getty Lee starts using the synth. And if you know Rush, later on the synth becomes a problem. And uh, I don't know, it's it's kind of just this weird like foreshadowing thing, I guess. <laughs> That's a weird way to look at it, but yeah, I completely understand. Um, I like Rush, and I think Getty's vocals also... This is both a good, like a positive and a negative for me. Is Getty's vocals got more steady in this album? If you listen to any of Rush's, like you know, um, twenty one twelve, Fly by Night, anthems of one that could be listed. This um, Getty Lee was described. His voice was described as a uh, cat being chased out the door with a blowtorch up its ass, and I can see that. And here, I think he fixes that. I think this is where he starts to mature his voice and kind of really get it. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. I do like that. Um, so, yeah. Moving pictures by Rush at your 11. At my 11, I have Tarkus by Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer. Um, I, in my opinion, uh, again, humble opinion here. This is another one of those albums, kind of like The Wall, where it tells a story. Um, not so much of an epic I w- as I would say The Wall is. The Wall is just insane. Uh, but this is another one that tells a story. Um, it's not as good of a storyteller, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I couldn't quite catch it right away like I could with The Wall. But I think it's just their better songs in general. And I felt like in The Wall there was a couple filler tracks. Um, I don't feel that way in this one. It's Tarkus is side one. And then you have the six songs in side two. And I love them all. And I love Tarkus as side one. And honestly, I kind of regret not putting them higher on this list now that I'm looking at it now. Um, because, man, I can listen to this album over and over again. I am absolutely in love with these guys right now. I've listened to some of their other stuff since then. Um, these guys, they're incredible. I love Keith Emerson, by the way, Greg Lake, Carl Palmer. Those are the guys. That's the name of the band. Yeah. Um, man. Jeremy Bender, great track. Bitches Crystal, another good one. The Only Way is a Hymn. They did it great. A Time and a Place. Are You Ready, Eddie's cool because of the story behind it. Mm-hmm. God, just an incredible album. Love Tarkus, the long song and on the first side. I just love every every ounce of it. And looking back on it, I wish I would have put them higher. I agree. I, uh, I totally agree with the fact that it's not as clear as The Wall. Yeah. Um, but I like it for that. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'll explain more again when I get to it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree with your opinion. But go ahead and go over your number 10. So my number 10 is yeah. The Wall. Yeah. Um, Good segue there. I, I love this album. It's one of the... 
first Pink Floyd albums I sat through and listened to. Um, most of what you said hit it on the dot for what I was going to say. I think there's a certain point in the album after Comfortably Numb where they could have stopped. That's true, too. I think... Yeah. I think they could have cut the album at Comfortably Numb. And we mentioned this in the podcast. Yeah, episode, we definitely did. Sure. We definitely did. Um, uh, I think they could have cut right there. And I think the album would have still sold so well. Because I think Comfortably Numb is an emotional high for the album. It's, mm-hmm. it's definitely miles ahead mm-hmm. in the sky. Um... I think all the songs leading up to uh, "Comfortably Numb." I don't know why that wasn't coming Blank to my head. Right there. Um, are great. The story leading up to it is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the uh, different uh, styles Pink Floyd embraces within this album. Mm-hmm. I do think after "Comfortably Numb," it gets weird. Definitely gets weirder after that. Um, with him dipping into like the fascism and like mm-hmm. it gets strange, it's very strange. And I think that's why it brings this album down is just because it's like mm-hmm. it wasn't necessary. Yeah. In my eyes. Okay. Yeah, I I, I would agree. I would agree. The uh, the last the whole side four. If you this is a rare case where if you take away some songs from an album, you could say it gets better. Yeah. This is a rare, very rare case. Normally that's not the case with albums at all. It does take... It, normally an album, for you to say that, it should have a lot of tracks in it. <laughs> um, which the uh, the wall does. Which, I mean, I like Run Like Hell. I think that's another oh, good song yeah, that comes after that yeah. uh, Comfortably Numb. But I just... I think after Comfortably Numb, it gets really goofy. And mm. especially with, like, the trial and outside the wall, it's like... Mm-hmm. It's really weird, but again, I think we also mentioned this podcast episode. I love how it wraps. It wraps around. Mm. It's like the album yes. is a loop. Yes. And Which he continuously cool. falls cool. into it. Which is cool. But uh, yeah, that's why it's it's uh, here in the A tier. Couldn't really put it up because of the uh, kind of goofy ass ending. Mm-hmm. But. Man. Yeah, that's why I got up there. Uh, my number ten. At least you got me. We're getting to our top tens here. I didn't even notice. Um, yes, we are. But at my number ten here, I have Fire of Unknown Origin by Blue Oyster Cult. Um, shown up on my list. Hasn't quite shown up on your list yet. Um, uh, love the guys here: Eric Bloom, Donald Roser, Alan Lanier, Joe Bouchard, and Albert Bouchard. Um, man, this is a great album, and there's a lot of stuff I like about it. Love, love I, the, all the guys and what they did. They did it great. Um, I really like the feel that I get out of the bass in this uh, album, and mm-hmm. the, all of the guitars in general. I guess the rhythm one too, and throughout the whole album, they're very prominent. I think what puts them ahead of bands like BTO, in my eyes, I like the I like the sort of weird kind of death and kind of vibe behind the songs the undertones i, de- I definitely undertones are very, yes are very cool with yeah blue oyster cult very very cool very unique but it's not like they're all all the songs are just like death i want to die it's not that it's just there's a nice there's a weird undertone to this like 
Like if a kid, this is one of those songs for a kid listen to it, they would just think it was like a cool song. I don't know what I'm listening to or what the words they're saying are, but it's just a cool song. But then as you get older, you realize they're kind of just talking about disease and death and surviving and it, and there's a lot of things they're talking about. There's even a song that's just called Vengeance, uh, mm-hmm. After Dark. That's another good one. Um, Don't Turn Your Back's a good one too, but the two heavy, heavy hitters in this one are Fire of an Origin, title track and intro track, and then Burning For You, big single from this album. Um, those two songs, again, very good, but again, my opinion, just a couple, those, that small thing of just has a unique twist to it, a nice undertone, kind of puts it over uh, albums like BTO2 and uh, Your Face or Mine and Tarkus, for example. So, yeah, yeah that's my number 10. I can see that. Yeah. Um, my uh, number nine is number one record by Big Star. Wow. That is yeah. a very big difference. Yes, it is. That and is a um, huge difference. The more I thought about this album, I thought I liked it. I like the sound. I do like the Beatles-esque sound they're going for. I do like... I can name a ton of songs on this album that I like simply because I think they have a really neat, like Beatles-esque sound. And I like... I like seeing that Beatles influence in there. Um, I think this band's underrated. I think, again, big thing that kills them, mixing. Mm-hmm. Kills a lot of these little bands, unfortunately. But to have it over albums like Movie Pictures in the Wall, it yeah. says a lot about it. Yeah, and again, another album where I think could shift the A tier. But um, I put it here... I like this album. I think they uh, did a pretty good job on this album. I kind of wish they would have gotten a little more, mm-hmm. like moving on. Mm-hmm. Kind of wish their sound would have evolved, but because they kind of just died out after this. They really because isn't this their? I want to say it's they only have one or two. Yeah, albums. they only have a, like one or two actual studio albums. The rest, I'm pretty sure, maybe they had three. Maybe yeah, I think they had three, but I think it was a couple years later. Yeah. So they never really materialized. Which yeah. Which is really unfortunate for, obviously, these small bands. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's got to be our biggest discrepancy, for sure. It's like 20 spots. I don't know, like 28 or 27 or something like that. I think so, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, you had them in D tier, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's so far the biggest... Um, change of philosophy year between ourselves. Yeah, yeah, I just... It was one of those albums where I think it grew on me. That's good. It definitely good. grew on me. But. That's good to hear. Um, but yeah, uh, so that is your number nine. My number nine is Houses of the Holy by Led Zeppelin. Um, kind of mid-A tier here, kind of mid-low A tier. Um, another band where I could name all the members just right off the bat. Yep. Absolutely incredible. Um, if you don't know, Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, John Paul Jones, John Bonham. Incredible lineup again. This album... There's a lot of things, a lot of things right. It it's it starts with song remains the same and the rain song, two absolutely amazing tracks. Over the hills and far away, another great one. And then it kind of they kind of changed it up in the middle. They went with songs like the Crunch and Dire Maker, which sound more funky. Yeah, that Dire Maker has that reggae. Yeah, reggae feel to it. But then they close it out with No Quarter and the Ocean. My two favorite songs from this album. Abs- I love the feel of those two songs in particular. Song Remains the Same, 
again, it's great. The Ring Song, great. The other ones, obviously, I have the I have all these on my playlist. But man, the the way this album closes itself out with No Quarter and the Ocean, and the whole B side in general with Dire Maker, just kind of funky. I love how this album does things right, no matter what it's doing. It they do stuff they're familiar with, like Song Remains the Same, the Ring Song. Then they do stuff that maybe that's different and new to them, like Dire Maker and The Crunch and Dancing Days. And then they go back to it with No Quarter in the Ocean. No matter what they touch, they did it well. And maybe, I, I can't find a bad thing to say about it. So again, this is another album like Tarkus. I wish I would have moved them up a little bit more. Oh, I see that. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, yeah. Solid album. Mm-hmm. I know you haven't mentioned them yet, so they're higher on yours. Speaking of uh, the Turkis. The Turkis. Oh, you got them at, at eight. My number eight is uh, Turkis by Arsene Lake Palmer. I think you nailed the explanation very well. And I think I even started to talk about it afterwards. I don't remember. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, I, uh, yeah, I really like, I really like the sound these guys can create. Um, all very talented. Um, I like the story. Again, I like all of the songs on this album. Um, I do like that this album makes me have to think about what's going on more and look into it more. Because mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's what progressive rock's all about. Mm-hmm. I think it's about, you know, absorbing while listening. And I, I really like this album for that. Um, it's a very solid album. You know, I love the album artwork, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> The so story, cool. as ridiculous as it sounds, is pretty fucking cool, actually. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I do it to admit. Um, yeah, I, I, just, I, I like it. He likes it. Um, so yeah, that's your number eight. My number eight, another big discrepancy here. I have Double Vision by Foreigner. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like mid-20s, or high-20s maybe for you. I don't, I don't Something like that. I think they were in C. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Yeah, 25. Mid-25 to 8. So another big difference here. I felt, I felt that I, I listened to this album and I couldn't stop listening to it. Couldn't get these songs out of my head. Because, man, there's something about them. Couldn't quite tell you why, what it is. I get these songs stuck in my head all the time. All the time. Double Vision in particular, but I get You're All I Am stuck in my head. I get Blue Morning, Blue Day stuck in my head. Even the fucking instrumental. I had the goddamn instrumental <laughs> stuck in my head the other day. Traumatane, <laughs> such a good song. Spellbinder, another great one. I couldn't, this is a band, I could not tell you what the hell it is that gets me so emotionally involved and makes it so I have them stuck in my head. I don't know what, what it is, but because of that, I have to put them up here in A tier. There's something about them that just draws me in. Lou Graham, Ian McDonald, Mick Jones, Al Greenwood, Ed Gagliardi, and Dennis Elliott is the band members, by the way, but yeah, I. This is just and one of those bands where I'm dumbfounded by myself. Like I just find myself going back to it. I just love the feel of it. I love the progression. It's not too long. It's not too short. Um, I love how and there's there's not a dud in here. And for ten songs to not really have a dud, that's pretty impressive. I I would say so. Yeah, that's just it's kind of why I've got them at eight. They're just super impressive. Didn't really put a foot wrong. I think it's their sound. I think is what gets people. I really yeah. do. I think just their overall sound, and I think that's what attracts people, and I think that's kind of why it's 
I think that's why I said it was lower on my list. Mm-hmm. It's just their sound wasn't really a hit with me. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I see your reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to actually do my number seven here because it's one. Oh, I guess yours is one we've already done too. Um, but mine is Moving yeah. Pictures by Rush, which is only a few spots ahead of yours. Yeah, it's a lot of the same sentiments. Um, a lot of the same sentiments. Uh, I will say Limelight, absolutely amazing song. Love the guitar, love the guitar in that song. Uh, Vital Signs, though, super fucking cool. That song's super cool, in my opinion. Um, if that intro of the song, especially, where it's it's a keyboard coming in, yeah, that's super cool as well. So, uh, I'm not going to talk about it too much. We already went over it a lot, but uh, I, uh, moving pictures at uh, 7. Yeah, I forgot to mention uh, Limelight. One of, I wouldn't say it's top 10 guitar riffs for me. But it's up there. But that beginning riff kicks me every time. When I oh, hear that, I crank up whatever I'm fucking listening to it it's on. It's so good. So good. It is. It, it draws me in. Mm-hmm. But uh, my number seven is Choice Cuts by so, the Master's Apprentices. Mm-hmm. Another repeat, but this one's a little... We're a little different here. I've got them about mid-C tier. Uh, or sorry, mid-B tier. You've got them mid-A, high-A. Yes, high-A. Um... I think this is little band done right, I think. I, uh... Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I, I, I like what they did with this album. Rio de Camaro, Michael, um, Easy to Lie Because I Love You, Caddy, Death of a King, Song for a Lost Gypsy, I'm Your Satisfier, um, all killer tracks. I love the sound. I love how they have this kind of muted heavy sound I think it sounds really unique and I think it cuts through other like stuff pretty well Okay. I think again the the vocals can get a little bit sketchy but um I think overall the Masters Apprentices did a very good job with this album um it was a hit for me that riff and Michael when it goes to the breakdown it always gets in my head um, it's the, the chill feel of Caddy. It just explores so many kind of like different feelings for me, and I think that's why I enjoy it so much. Just because I I like that exploration within mm-hmm. this album. I got gotcha. you. I yeah. I can. You know, I have a lot of the same sentiments. Um, I just couldn't. I couldn't will myself to put them above some of these other guys that I really enjoyed. That's really it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is your number seven. Go, want to go over your number six? Sure. So my uh, number six is House of the Holy. Um, again, I think you talked about this pretty well. Um, I think this is an album that doesn't have a miss all the way through. It's just why it's on top. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, Over the Hills and Far Away almost made me buy a 12-string guitar. <laughs> Not even kidding. I was... Very close to pulling the trigger on it. I love that song. You were talking about that for days, dude. I was I was contemplating it so fucking hard. You were really, yeah. I was I was so close. You were really thinking about it. Um, yeah, it's just it's an incredible album. Again, like you said, I love the different the exploration of different genres within the album. Where at the beginning it's kind of the same thing, but then you I'd even say you get to uh over the hills and far away and it has a very drastic start to change progressive change 
over the time. Yeah. I like the sea, the sea shanty that the fucking ocean is. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Great, great album. Uh, my number six, I have Don't Look Back by Boston. Um, I put him near top of A tier here. Uh, I completely love this this album. And when obviously putting it into retrospective and thinking about how well their first album did and how good it was. And the fact, I think what puts this so high for me is the fact that it was done in that such a short amount of time. And they mm-hmm. had the record label screaming out in their ass. And they was really pressured into making this. And it didn't turn out how they wanted to. And when an album doesn't turn out how you want it, it's most of the time shit. Yeah. This album turned out how they did not want it. It's one of the best albums ever. Like, it's still great. Mm-hmm. And the, that, to me, kind of propels it into the higher echelons of A tier. And you mentioned already a lot of the stuff about them. A lot of the, you mentioned all the band members, a couple of the songs. Um, I just, and again, I like how this album's structured. This is another album that tells a story, um, even though you might not necessarily catch it on your first way through. Um, you can kind of, you can get that vibe from the, from the songs. Um, especially, and then man, a man I'll never be. What a great song. That's an emotional. What a great song. That's emotional as hell. Yeah, that plucks a string. Mm hmm. That's a damn good one. But the absolute, absolute best song from this album, Feeling Satisfied. That fucking guitar riff. Oh, that beginning guitar riff is so good. So good. Please listen to that song. And the claps. Ooh, are you feeling Yeah, (laughs) they come in with the claps. God, it's so good. That is such a good song. That's another, it's one of those instances where one song alone can vault it up the list. It did that to me. Holy shit. That's a banger. I agree. And yeah, I. that's kind of why I think the whole rule for my A tier is they could be changed around. Um, yeah. I think that's why Boston in particular I said that for is because like you said, there are... No, it's not only a drawback that they, uh, they didn't have time. Mm-hmm. I think it's also impressive mm-hmm. that they pinched it off like that. And, um, yeah, I, I think you hit it. You explained it better. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, so your A tier stops at six. Yes. So you have five bands in S tier. My A tier stops at four. So I have I have a couple more in A tier. So I'm going to – and there, there are a couple we've already gone over. So I'm going to do four and five real quick, and then we'll get to your four and five in S tier. Okay. Um, so my five in A is Freedom at point zero. They're about ten spots higher than I think you put them. Something like that. Um. When, when initially listening, this is an album, this normally happens with most albums I listen to, but this was an album where multiple listens really vaulted it up super high. Jane, you mentioned Jane, you mentioned uh, rock music, you mentioned uh, Fading Lady Light, Freedom at Point Zero, um, Lightning Rose, you mentioned, I believe, nonstop hit after nonstop hit, in my opinion. Um, and songs like Jane and Rock Music, yes, dude, t- those song those are top fifty songs of all time type of material. Mm-hmm. And for that reason alone, it gets jumped up. Um, I really love though the super long instrumental in this one, Awakening. Um, really love that. I think it's a very underrated piece, a very underrated instrumental in general. There's a lot of instrumentals that I feel like other people talk about more than this one. 
I don't hear it mentioned as much, and I feel that way. It was never mentioned to me but until I heard this album. Like, I never yeah. heard of it. So that's why I feel that way, and it's super underrated. Love this album, Head to Toe, and it's in, and these guys are incredible. Paul Kantner, Craig Chikino, or Chikiko, and then Dave Freiberg, Pete Sears, Ainley Dunbar, and Mickey Thomas is your band members. They did great. I, I think, think uh, yeah, speaking of Jane, I, uh, I feel like that piano where it's like, da, 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 yeah. I feel like that's something you could have someone just listen to that and they'd know, like they'd, they've heard it before. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's always Probably. the feeling I get, like, you know, and this may sound stupid, but that's always the feeling I get when I listen to that song is, you know, like <laughs> it's going to sound really dumb when it comes out of my mouth. But I always get that feeling of like I've heard this somewhere other than this song. I swear. You swear you have, yeah. It's, I don't know, it's just, it's iconic. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of iconic like that. Um, at my number four, my last band in A tier, I have Animal Magnetism by the Scorpions. Um, I talked about them. I know you, you talked about them recently. I had nothing but praise for them in the actual episode that we did. And when I went back to make this list, I still have nothing but praise for them. Because, again, like Freedom at Point Zero, great head to toe. And there's a couple of songs in here, top 50 songs of all time, that I have to put them there. Lady Starlight in the Zoo. Mm-hmm. Just two incredible songs with another batch of great songs mis- mixed in there throughout the rest of the album. I, it's a lot of the same sentiments, honestly. It's Freedom of Point Zero. I absolutely love it. Lady Starlight's incredible. It's a slow song. Doesn't take away from the rock element of it at all. The Zoo, crazy mashup of instruments, and it comes out beautifully. Just absolutely perfect. Great song there. But some other ones I like. Uh, Falling in Love, really good one. Hold Me Tight, 20th Century Man. All, all fantastic. And that's why I have them at the top of A tier. Really, really love this band. And I've listened to some of their other stuff since then. I continue to love this band. Which I'm going to be honest, when we first went over it, I was surprised that you had so much praise for them. Yeah. I was I was pretty surprised. I Not that I hate them, but I, just, I was like, wow, I'm very shocked that he really, really liked this mm, band. Yeah. There's some, some bands, I know it's different for everybody. And some bands, they really hit hit different. And I think... I don't know what it is, again, but man, really, really love them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's get into your, your S tier. Yes, so my S tier starts off with uh, Monolith by uh, Kansas. I I fucking love this album. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um, the whole sound Kansas has going is incredible. Um, the violin adds so much character to Kansas. Um... Yeah, another album where I don't think I could pick a bad track. I don't think I could highlight specific tracks just because, actually, I will because the uh, keyboard in the beginning of A Glimpse to Home um, had a weird wave of nostalgia to me. Hmm. I feel like I'd heard it before. Yeah, and yeah, um, Another one of those songs. It just it sounded like I was walking into a fucking castle. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the fucking drawbridge just dropped. Just dropped in it. And there's yeah. knights on horses walking out. Walking out, and you have this fucking amazing fanfare fucking playing for you. And I think... I think now that I think about it, I should have rated these guys higher in S. But, um... 
when an album has that ability to uh, paint a picture in my head, I fucking adore that. Incredible. Um, I want to point out the guys, um, Steve Walsh, Carrie Livgren, um, Robbie Steinhardt, um, I'm drawing a blank He's on drawing him. a blank. He doesn't Dave have... Hope, um, I told you, he doesn't have the names in front of him, he just knows them. <laughs> uh, Rich Williams. Yeah, Rich Williams. Um, incredible. Uh, again, composition on fucking point. Um, sound on point man I just I I love this album I wish I would have ranked it higher now <laughs> yeah no, even though it's in S tier I uh wish I would have gone higher yes yeah. I oh, man I love this album <laughs> <laughs> nothing I know we gotta move on dude I know it's hard um but we'll go over your four and my three at the same time because they're the same band cool we've got uh Willie and the Poor Boys I have them at three you have them at four yes um, go ahead. You started off. You started off. I also really like this album. I don't think there's a song I can complain about. Um, I think the standout track for me is "It Came Out of the Sky." <laughs> Another funky I men- song. I mentioned it in one. the uh, in the episode. They might have been smoking something. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it turned out such a great song. I I love how goofy it is. I love the. I even said the Chuck. I had said the same thing. It sounds like Chuck Berry's playing it. Yeah. Um, God, it's it's incredible. And you know, Cotton Fields is an example of a cover done extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember who originally sung it. I I know who it is. I it's just not coming to me right now. Um, again, Poor Boy Shuffle into Feeling Blue is a fucking banger. Um, I feel like I'm swearing now, but. A lot now, but that's because I uh, love these albums. <laughs> you got a lot, yeah. Um, We're passionate about it. I, yeah, I, I love the whole idea of this album. I, uh, yeah, it, the way it came together for them. We mentioned this in the episode, but you know how kind of how it started compared to how it ended, and the differences there. Um, man, yeah, same. I share the same sentiments. What can't you say about them? Um, I would like to mention. I felt super. Super good vibes from the vocals in this song. Yes. The harmony, vocals themselves, obviously, in the lyrics, all that were great, but the harmony that was put into the vocals and the mixing done, perfection. I agree. Complete perfection. Um, but cool. yeah, that is, that's Willie and the Poor Boys. And three for me, four for you. Go ahead yes. and go over your number three. For number three, I had Fire of Unknown Origin by Blue Oyster Cult. And um, again, with the uh, undertones, it's very prevalent in uh, Fire of Unknown Origin and I love it for that. Mm-hmm. I love Blue Oyster Cult for that. Um, I've gone through and listened to all their albums. I love this band. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'd, again, I don't think I could pick a certain track. Um, yeah, I, I, the work on this album, like Joan Crawford, that classical piano mm-hmm. in the beginning is so fucking incredible. <laughs> Yes. Um, bass work in all the song, like like you mentioned, was really good. Um, mm-hmm. Same with the synth work. Yes. I actually really yes. like the synth work. Yes. And that's kind of a shocker because I'm not like I don't hate synth, but I'm not a big big synth guy. Mm-hmm. Um, this it definitely gives the album an '80s character. So I think this was released in '81, if I remember right. 
Yeah, 81. And um, I think because Cultosaurus Erectus came out in 80. 80, but, yeah. um, And then there... What was the it? Tyranny and... Mirrors. Yeah, that was early 80s, 70s. 80s, 70s, yeah. Yeah, but... um. I yeah again it's another album that I I loved I love listening to it I went back and listened to it multiple times after we did the episode I uh, played the vinyl at least four different times <laughs> all the way through <laughs> front and back absolutely stopping. loved it I loved it absolutely loved it enjoyed it well yeah I I completely agree I see your sentiments there I love the undertone as you mentioned and yeah a lot of things you said were a lot of things I said just. It's a great album. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that is number three for you. And our number twos are the exact same. We have once again a match here. Um, yes, we do. Go ahead, introduce what it is. Nantucket by Nantucket. And we sucked this album's dick so hard. <laughs> I was going to say. We even mentioned it in the last episode. And I think when we were talking about your face or mine in that episode. Yeah, we were simping over them so hard. Um. <sighs> I don't, where do you start? Where That's what I'm trying start? to decide right now. Let's start here. They have how many? Is it, we checked. It wasn't like three thousand. Three thousand monthly followers. Criminal. Absolutely criminal. That's a war crime. I say we round up everyone in the United States who's not listening oh. to these guys and jail them. <laughs> put them on the moon. Yeah, put them on the moon. Cast them away because got you know what? There. This album is so underrated. I don't know. I. I that's I have the best no words. There's, there's no words to describe how this how how can it be this underrated? Yeah, I, I. It does not make an ounce of sense to either of us. They nailed the blues rock combination so oh my God. hard and so it, well. Nothing better. No, it's just so good. I think any other blues. Ro- I think this even tops like Stevie Ray Vaughan blues rock. It, yeah, blues rock. It, like I just they did it perfect. I. In terms of blues sound, I, I love it. Um, it's you know what I got this little. Uh, <laughs> that's, got the um, harmonica. Here. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, Never gonna take your lies. Fantastic. Yes. All the songs fantastic. All of I just them I fantastic. I There's, could gush over this album without saying anything concrete. It's it's dumbfounding. It's dumbfounding how how little attention it got. Just incredible. Let's I guess. Heartbreaker, what an amazing opener! What, what an amazing, amazing opener. opener! That's got that might be best opening track out of all these albums. I heard that on the radio, and I think I also mentioned this in the podcast episode. Yeah, I think you did. Um, one of the the first album I have ever ordered online mm-hmm. because I heard this and I listened to the rest of the album and said, "Oh my god, I have to fucking have this in my collection." Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Completely agree. There's there's nothing we could say poorly about these dudes. No, I and honestly, so close to being my number one. It, so I agree. So close. I so much agree. So fucking close to being my number one here. They really could have. They really could have. On a different day, they could be number one in my. It, they are so incredible. This album in particular. This album in particular, as you mentioned. No better combination of blues rock. Mm-hmm. I don't, in my in our opinion, just ever. Yeah. Even you mentioned like just no better, nothing better than this. Absolutely incredible. Yes. Um, 
in insanely incredible. Just every song, Never Gonna Take Your Lies, Banger, Real Romance, She's No Good, Born in a Honky Tonk, another great one, It's Getting Harder is a great one. Girl, You Blew a Good Thing, another amazing, like, oh. I go through every track, how are they all amazing? I don't know, it's... God, it's, you, this is, you have got, you have got to listen to this album. I will say, since we last looked at the monthly listeners, they had more... It's grown. It's grown. Because you said it was like 2000. Yeah, something. when I first kind of discovered them, it was around 1500. And then when I really started listening to them, it was around 2000. So and, um, they're growing very steadily right now. Yes, they are. And it's very well deserved. So um, well deserved. I it, couldn't understate it more. I wish I could have seen these guys live in a bar in North Carolina. Cause I'm pretty sure yeah. that's where they're from. But uh, wow. fuck. God. <laughs> Such a great album. <laughs> Such a great album. Um, but yeah, we can't can't stay can't stay here forever. We got number ones to talk mm-hmm. about and discuss. And um, let's start with mine because yeah. mine you've also have an S tier. My number one is Monolith by Kansas. Mm-hmm. You mentioned them. You wish you said you wish they would be hot. They would have been higher on your list. Yes, and you know what? I'd even argue. I think I'd make them number one. Okay. Yeah. I think there's a bit of a reshifting here in my S tier right now. But I'll get to that in a minute. I okay. want you to... Okay. So, um, you mentioned all the guys, so I won't do that. Um, there has never... I, I've, we Since we started, um, I have never had an easier time remembering songs than with this album. Mm-hmm. I had every song memorized after one listen. Because each song, each, each individual song is incredible, and the album itself has a certain feel to it. It has this funky... It has this funky rock feel to it. It has that we're creeping into the 80s kind of vibe with the rock. We're yes. getting that disco kind of feel. But they, but each individual song is so different still, and so unique, that it's they're so memorable. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of instances where you can Give me an uh, you can play me a track from an album, and that maybe might it'll probably take me a couple guesses to get which track it actually is, or it might take me like I don't know thirty seconds into the song to figure it out. I know each track instantly, right instantly. You could play me any of these, and I know them right away. On the other side is the start. It's the first song, incredible starter, "People of the Southwind," arguably. Arguably my favorite, my favorite, honestly, my favorite track in this album changes every day. Yeah, I, I see Changes that. every fucking day. Angels Have Fallen. <laughs> Five and a half minutes. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about that one. That You know what, that one might be my favorite. Really made him do the horsey move. <laughs> yeah. How My Soul Cries Out For You. What a way to end the A-side. I love how that song, um, I forgot to mention this, uh... <laughs> Yeah, oh, guitar. I played it on my uh, record player, and um, it gets quiet. And I was like, "What the fuck?" What oh yeah, you there? thought it was like broken. I turned it up, and then fucking a glimpse of home blares. It was so blast. fucking loud. <laughs> and so I was funny. like, "It just fucked with me." It just ended. And like, yeah, and it actually got me. All right. By the way, glimpse of home, B side starter. Holy oh. shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just incredible. What an amazing B-side starter. Pro- another fantastic, could argue that, my favorite song. 
Away From You, I think, is probably the most underrated song on this album. Stay Out of Trouble, another great one. Reason to be, great finale. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt it was necessary to go through each individual song for this. Yes, for this I agree. Because of how incredible each song is. And how this s- is another instance with a clashing of ideas. Rock and disco. Whatever formula they use, whatever math equation they fucking put into their calculator, they nailed that shit. Came out so hard, bro. It came out incredible. They solved the math problem. All right, it it is beautiful. They solved the math problem and then did the fucking extra credit by going back and checking their. Then they wrote a four-page proof about how they solved it, and then they won the Nobel Prize. Yes, (laughs) for their incredible hundred percent. Just, just what an album. What an album. Yeah, I 100% agree. And yeah, like I said, I think that's going to my number one. Right now, I'm going to talk about my number one right now, which is a BTO2. Please do. Please do talk about that. Um, I love this album. It's a, a great album. I love Randy Backman's um, writing. His song, He is an incredibly talented songwriter. And him and uh, Fred Turner were very... Um, very, very great partnership. I'd even keen them to uh, Lennon McCartney. I like their songwriting partnership so well. Um, this is at the point in his career where he was still being heckled for leaving the Guess Who. So that oh, people were saying, yeah, you'll sucks. never make it. Yeah, you'll never... Um, and then, I think this proved... I think their first album proved them wrong. And then this, this backed that shit up. This was the fucking hammer hitting the nail further into the board. Um... All the songs on here, I think, are very good. And I think the yelling is good. I like the yelling. Especially okay. in songs like Welcome Home. It's a weird contrast. When I think about it, the song, if they didn't yell, I think it might actually be worse. Mm-hmm. Now that I think about it, it might actually be necessary, and especially with what you just said. And I think, um, I think Fred Turner's voice adds a very unique touch to this album that the guess who... I'm going to compare them to Guess Who because the Guess because Who shat on them. That's what they shat on, yeah. Um, the Guess Who didn't have with Burton Cummings. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. I like Burton Cummings as a singer. Um, he ain't Fred Turner. No. Fred Turner can fucking belt. Um, um, I uh, Let It Rides an Anthem. Uh, arguably one of my top ten songs. Okay. Phenomenal song. Um we even got the triple B's in here. Yeah, the triple B's. Uh, uh, but yeah, this I think this album is fantastic. I will say I think it's down to three. Um, even though I still adore this album, I have like three different copies of it on vinyl. <laughs> if anyone wants me to hit me up, but um, yeah, I I still adore this album. But I think ultimately, I think Monolith takes the top spot just because when I sat there and I looked at it, I said, I think I put this too low. Yeah, I, I think you did. <laughs> um, number one, man. I And I definitely, um, it's definitely in that number so one. So you'd have him one, uh, Monolith 1, Nantucket 2, BTO 3, Willie and the Poor Boys. Or sorry, Fire of Unknown Origin 4, and then Willie and the Poor Boys 5. Yes, okay. I think that's how I'd rather have it. And... Um, yeah, it's hard to rank when you get up here. But. Yeah, I th- I do think again that S tier is also like the A tier where I could just swap songs all fucking day. Yeah, I think 
Yeah. Um, or albums. Yeah, albums. <laughs> it's getting late. <laughs> but, uh, oh my god. I, I just... I, I, I was a little more down on DTO2. I didn't... I felt like when I compared... Okay... BTO2 and let's pick one. Um, Fire Emblem Known Origin. Mm-hmm. Like, BTO2 just felt. It's 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 heavy, heavy into the guitar. Yeah. And I feel like song. Let's. Like, if as, as you get higher up the up the tier list here, especially with, like, Freedom at Point Zero, Willie and the Poor Boys, Monolith, I feel like they're more creative with their. Because they use so many more instruments and so many more sounds, mm-hmm. the songs become more creative when you add more things to it, which does, in some cases, like ruin albums where there's too much going on. But in these cases, it I there's just so much more for me to listen to. And it adds so much more to it that I when I go back to BTO2 and listen to, I'm just listening to mainly its, its guitars. There's a lot of guitar in there. There's bass. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of it. I understand that it's not only guitars. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not an idiot. It's no but, Guns N' Roses. Yeah, it's, not, it's no Guns N' Roses. But what? it's just, there's. I, I don't think there's enough. But I do think if they were to try to add this to this sort of style of music that they tried, it wouldn't have worked. Like if they were to add, say, fucking an organ or a violin, like that's in mind. I think it would have been strange, yeah. It would have been strange. So what they did with what they had, perfect. Like they did it. They did. They did a good job. And you know, thinking back on it now, maybe I move them higher up the list next time. But they just the reason why I don't have them up here in S tier is because they don't have. I don't think they have the things that these three uh, these three albums have in general. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where that personal preference, yeah, really kicks in. Because, like I said, I'm a big Boston guy. Um, Boston is kind of the same thing. They have a few different, like, minor things, like Boston has an organ. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, their sound's simple, um, easy to get behind. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what stands out of Backman Turn Overdrive to me is yeah, just, like, the simple sound. Like, it's a song, it's a rock song. You, I think you could dance to, like, rock music yeah, you could dance, dance to. And I think that's, that's, cool. that's really cool. And, um... um yeah. In future lists, I'm sure I'm I'm boss. Don't look back in BTO two. Probably get closer to each other. They probably end up in the same spot just because mm-hmm. of their similarities. And honestly, like I said, I feel bad for listing. Don't look back a little. I think it was at the bottom of yeah, A tier. But yeah, A tier is one of those ones where it was kind of just I could swap it around any fucking day of the week. Yeah, it is it's strange, but it's strange. Um, but yeah, that I guess that's gonna be it. Unless you, there's anything else you want to add about any of these guys at the top. Um, yeah. In a, we have some very similar lists here at the top. We have yeah. both have Nantucket, William the Poor Boys, and Monolith. All of my three that are nest here are also in your S tier. In my S tier, yeah. Um, but we did have some big discrepancies. Yes, now. we did. Uh, Animal Magnetism, I have really high. Double Vision, I have really high. Number one record. Number one record's got to be the biggest one. I have really high. You have really high. I have them down in D tier. Comparatively, you had them in A, in like middle high A. Yeah. Um, very high on that. You just, yeah. Um, those were our big, big differences, I would say. We had some we had some smaller ones, but mostly then. Choice Cut's another pretty big one. You had them high A. I had them, yeah. I had them mid B. So that's another pretty big one. Um, 
other than that, a lot of the same remain in light. You had a little bit higher. You had them like bottom of B. I had them bottom of C. Yeah. So another one where that's pretty, this is a pretty sizable difference. Uh, but other than that, not super big. I would say the other tracks were probably all within like five places on the tier list. Like they're not super far away, especially as we got higher up the list. They got a lot, we got a lot similar up there. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Couple, couple of unique. They're still pretty unique, except when you get to S tier, we have a lot of similar stuff there. Yeah. But yeah, there's some certain things that we definitely like more than the other, and certain things we don't. That's I agree. Clearly, clearly evident by our list. Here. And that's the beauty in it. I Honestly, think that's the beauty. Yeah. It's kind of like um, the idea of like surrounding yourself with people that are like minded. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. There's no. There's no difference. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, there's no reason to surround yourself like my people. You want to be different, so we yeah, got we got some different opinions here. It's good to have that different influence in yes, there. Yes, and when we when we talk about you know fire of unknown origin, a little bit of difference in there, and the ones we talked about, you know, double vision being higher on mine, and number one record being higher on his, and freedom at point zero being higher on mine, you know. There's differences in our opinions, but we still fucking love all the stuff we're listening to. 100%. Like, if it's not... The only the only one I'm not really a fan of is Guns N' Roses. I go back and listen to all the other albums. I think for me it's Guns N' Roses and Kensington Market, but yeah, I, I think more Guns N' Roses than... Yeah. That comes to your head quicker. It's one I would definitely not listen to again, but yeah, that... When it comes down to it, I, this was a lot of fun. It was a lot yeah, of fun. It was. fun. And it would have been boring as hell if our lists were the same. Yeah. That would have been stupid. <laughs> it would have been. Um, but yeah, that that is going to do it for today for today's episode of the C-String Podcast. This um, mammoth this of an episode. An absolute, absolute load of an episode. Um, holy cow. Thank you, guys. If you made it this far, I really appreciate it. You have held through. You've held strong. You've got a lot of fucking free time. Yes, I do. We appreciate your listening. Yes, I really do appreciate listening because it's not the greatest quality podcast in the world. You know, there's shit happening in the background and there's, I'm using Audacity, which isn't the best editing software in the world. And I'm not the best editor in the world. I just started doing this shit. Um, And our chairs creak and we don't have a studio for this. So there's cars driving by and so there's a lot of stuff wrong with it. But you're here an hour and 51 minutes in to an episode of ours. You're supporting a hobby. That's really cool. Yeah, you're supporting a hobby. I don't make money from this. I spent literal hours of my time doing this, and you're listening, which is really fucking cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that is going to do it, and I think that's going to do it for a little while. Um, Yeah. I am going to take a break. I'm I'm I'm, uh, enforcing the rules here. I'm enforcing the law here. We're taking a little break here because this was a lot of work. Um, It was hard for me to do this and that sounds weird saying it out loud but listening to so many bands um at the same time especially and like one after the other uh got harder as it kept going and the more bands we did it got even harder Mm -hmm. and harder to pick out individual things that i like um and it just got to the point where i wasn't enjoying listening to songs as much as i did when we started that's not to say i didn't enjoy them i wasn't i just wasn't enjoying them as much because when it started it was like I'll listen to these in my leisure, and then we'll talk about them. And then it kind of turned into, I'll listen to these as something I need to do, and yeah. I need to do I need to do it. It's not like something that I just that it was going to pass the time with. Um, so it kind of changed, and it shifted, and I want to get back into the feeling of 
I'm just going to start listening to songs and mm-hmm. then we'll talk about them. Um, so that's going to come with some time and it might, I'm going to be honest here, it might be a lot of time because as of recording, it is uh, November 22nd. It was November 21st, 30 minutes ago, but it's November 22nd and we've got a busy, busy schedule coming up. First, we have Thanksgiving coming around the corner, but then after that, we have two weeks of school left. So that's going to be final stuff right there. Um, yep. And then after after that, it's Christmas, New Year's, it's winter break essentially. And if we're not at home with family, we're working. And mm-hmm. if we're not working, we're going to be in Arizona. So yeah, uh, we've got we got a vac- we got a trip planned. So we're going to be gone. And so I'm going to be honest here: if you don't get an episode within the next week, two weeks, you might not get one until January. And that's just going to kind of be how it rolls. Um, I hate to say that, but I really do need a break. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to listen. I want to explore bands by myself. And there's some bands I have already on my mind for the next episode. I, I, I've already got some planned out. And maybe even the next couple episodes. But I do just want to take a break and listen to more things. And I want to go back and listen to more of these bands. Because, you know, we tell you guys all the time, go check out this album... Not, then after you do that, check out all the rest of their albums. Check mm-hmm. out the whole band in general. We always tell you guys to do that, but we don't have time to do that ourselves. Um, I just, I don't in particular. and So, yeah. As a recent with school and stuff, I haven't either. But Yeah, yeah you, you, you don't either, and we're just too busy. We're too busy. That's yeah. really it. We're just way too busy, and, you know, we have things to do, and that's really, that's really that. So Like you said, it's not that we hate doing this. It's not that we... No, this is... Well, I love doing this. It just... It's... it Sometimes with, like, school and stuff, it gets to a point where it's a chore, and, um... Yeah. It, I don't want it to be a chore. Yes. We don't want it to be a chore. That's the last thing we want. We want it to be something fun that we can do once a week, yeah. once every other week, and have fun with it, and it not be a chore, and, you know, we have to write the scripts for these things, and then we have to make time to talk about them, and then I have, I have to make time to edit, and... It might even be a few days before this behemoth gets out to you guys because we are sitting on an hour and 55 minutes of footage right now. So it's going to be a long, that's going to be a long editing session for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's the, that's the long short of it. Um, that's going to be it for this episode. Um, wow, what an episode. That was so much fun. Yeah, it was. It was, was a hard. Fun. Yes. Um, list changed within the episode. Yeah, listen, we were talking about it. Our list changed so much before the episode started. And we were like, okay, we've got our list. Let's do it. And then we changed our list mid-episode. I literally said on the way to the gym, I was like, I think my list is pretty good. Yeah, we just went we went to the gym. And the then list, yeah. it changed. Said, yeah, it changed. He's like, yeah, my list is solid. Changes. <laughs> changes right when we get to there. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode. And it might do it for a while, you guys. But Classic Rock Talk has been so much fun. The show is going to get rebranded here soon. There's going to be some cover art out there for you. So that the show gets a little bit more unique. We're going to do some different things with the episodes. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and we might even reformat Classic Rock Talk. It might turn into, it might, it might do something different with the actual episode format. Don't really know yet. We'll see how that turns out. But yeah, that's going to do it for us today. Yep. So, so much fun. And we will see you guys on the next episode of Classic Rock Talk. We'll be back.